Welcome to Dan's Dabble in Babel. I am thrilled to be here with you another week. I really had a wonderful weekend. We are suffering a bit of a cold snap in the Berg in St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay region. Uh, today it was low 50s and just really downright frigid. And you know, that is what it is. I um, really just want to open by saying that, you know, I've had a really nice weekend and, you know, I don't know, there, there feels like there's just been a lot of interesting happenings with life. And, and, and for the most part, I am really doing my best to kind of, you know, approach everything with a healthy mindset and set and maintain boundaries and, I am really looking forward to uh, a lot of things coming up and and just continuing to navigate, you know, and make the best decisions for me, which I know is all really vague, but you know, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, I was, you know, the entire premise of this show initially was that I would interview people and basically go into interviews blind and not know what they we're necessarily going to be talking about. And that really rings true with this interview. Uh, This interview is someone who's a pharmacist and now a conflict resolution coach. And I think it was really just a refreshing, healthy conversation. Um, So I'm excited to get to that. I, I don't have a lot to add in the preamble to this week's episode. Um, you know, just really kind of an uneventful week, uneventful weekend. Um, You know, just, did did work things uh, throughout the week and then had just a nice weekend uh, with, you know, who I want to spend my weekend with. So I uh, watched some Australian Open tennis, which, uh, you know, there's just something electric about watching major tennis tournaments. And, and I'm Really looking forward to uh, the final rounds here. Uh, you know, at the time recording this, Madison Keys is still in it uh, for the Americans and the women, as well as uh, Jesse Pagula uh, for the Americans. Jesse Pagula plays the number one Ashley Barty, who I saw get um, uh, defeated by Shelby Rogers at the U.S. Open um, last year, which was uh, certainly a highlight. Um, on the men's side, I'm really rooting for Taylor Fritz. So we'll see. He's still in it. He's in to the fourth round, uh, plays late tonight. Um, but you know, so without, uh, really much further ado, I'm going to just get in, uh, straight to the interview. Uh, so I hope you enjoy my interview with Jerry Fu. Um, as always, uh, feel free to reach out on Twitter at Babbling Dan or on Instagram at Daniel Burkett. Uh, really interested in hearing what you guys are thinking of the show. Thank you so much for listening. All right, listeners of Dan's Dabble in Babel, this week we have with us Mr. Jerry Fu. Now, Jerry is a conflict resolution coach that has uh, a lot of 
turbulent events in his history. So I'm super excited to talk to Jerry about what it means to be a conflict resolution coach and how uh, some of the difficult scenarios he's been thrown has kind of helped along his journey. So Jerry, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing? Uh, Dan, I'm great. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, let's just get started here. So how, how do you find this knack uh, to help people resolve conflicts and kind of what does that mean for you? What does that look like in your world? Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, the background, right, I, I grew up in a conflict diverse, you know, Asian household where we were just taught to keep our head down, right? Just do your thing, mind your business. And if people say hurtful things or, you know, are rude to you, then, you know, just don't try to rock the boat, just, you know, take it and go and do your best to get over it, right? And then layer that with, you know, a job in chain pharmacy that tells you that, you know, um, you just need to placate unruly or inappropriate customers, right? Uh, Just give them what they want, even if it's unreasonable, because we can't afford to lose their business, right? And so now, Right. I've, I'm, it's this, yeah, I've, I'm doubly frustrated because I feel like I, I'm not allowed to stand up for myself or anything like that. And so, um, in this frustration, I, after five years at this job, I said, okay, I need something different and uh, managed to leverage my connections to get a, 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 a teaching job through a pharmacy consulting company here in Houston. And so, um, managed to move from Tennessee, where I was working at the time, um, to this job. And, uh, after 11 months got fired because I was still in this mentality of, Oh, as long as I have a good enough story as to why I didn't get the job done, surely my bosses will understand. Naturally. And, uh, yeah, that, yeah. You think they make me think they'd have more empathy, right? Right. Of but, course. Uh, of course not. Um, you know, if you're not getting the job done, uh, they will find someone else who will. So, um, that was a wake up call. I struggled to appreciate it at the time, but I now appreciate as, uh, the very thing that I needed to realize that my way of thinking and way of doing was not working. Um, so that's when the, uh, career took a real roller coaster. Um, and I ended up at an independent pharmacy job where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. And so double whammy, I'm jeopardizing my license and this guy isn't even paying me. And so, you know, in my conflict diversion, again, how do I confront the guy who's clearly ripping me off? Right. And uh, even worse, you know, I was sending my checks home because I never had set up a local bank account. And worst thing is, you know, it turns out after the first one, I, I learned about it. My boss owned up to it. And I thought, okay, you know, things happen. But then two, three and four bounce, I didn't know about it because my mom was too afraid to tell me. Um, that, you know, she's like, oh, I don't want to give you bad news. And it's like, no, this is, <laughs> you know, a doctor doesn't, uh, you know, withhold a, a cancer diagnosis just because like, she's afraid the patient can't handle it. Right. right. Well, so and that's, that's is- such another level too, because it's mm-hmm. not like she had anything to do. She was just trying to help you out to deposit the checks. Right. And she was still, yeah. um, kind of too afraid to have that. <laughs> that yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, for something it's that's not even her fault. Worse. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I don't want to give bad news. And it's like, no, like, this is worse, right? Because uh, if you're not built on truth, like you can't expect to trust somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's tough news. Uh, so anyway, uh, after nine months of that managed to get on uh, with a more legitimate company, but the money was tight. And they said, hey, we can't pay you more than eight hours a week. And so I said, well, what do I do? And they said, you can get more hours if you're willing to work at our store in Austin, which is about two and a half hours away. I could end up in worse places. But 
um, you know, it just wasn't home. And so, you know, I'm working in Austin. I have no idea what my life will look like. And it wasn't until that summer where some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, um, we know you've been facilitating workshops on the fraternity side, uh, but uh, a spot opened up for our leadership development meeting, uh, and we'd love for you to jump in. And uh, so teaching leadership helped kind of spark some possibilities that maybe I could actually be good at this because I avoided leadership challenges for the longest time because I didn't seem to do well at them. And I just said, well, if I fail three or four times, I'm probably never going to be good at it. So let me just avoid them. But now it's like, well, what if I could be good at it, right? Now I can play around with this possibility. And so when a full-time manager position opened up in Houston a couple months later, I knew I, I wanted to come home and also I couldn't be uh, afraid of these challenges anymore. Um, the following year, I proceed to get written up uh, because I have technicians behaving badly and I am not either disciplining them or firing them. And so management said, okay, you're in the doghouse because uh, your passivity is still a problem. And so, you know, eating more humble pie <laughs> and uh, thankfully managed to get out of the doghouse uh, right as uh, the company had their funding pulled. And the only reason I got an interview with my next job was that I had leadership experience on my resume. And I said, wow, you know, leadership really saved my career. And with that though, um, yeah, still, um, you know, jumping from job to job because the business models weren't sustainable and, you know, in the process, still learning to deal with people who were either underperforming or just not meeting expectations or something like that. And you realize, you know, uh, when now that I'm an owner, now that I'm a boss, right, of, of, on some level, now it's like you realize you're like, if this person is not getting a job done, it doesn't matter how legitimate the reasons are. Um, you need someone who's when they uh, are hired to get a job done, that they actually get the job done. And so anyway, with that uh, added leadership experience, right, it, I realized that every situation I dealt with uh, that I struggled with involved conflict and hard conversations, whether it is reporting um, on an, a medication error, like a pharmacist did, and I had to basically address the situation with her or, you know, um, dealing with things off the clock where I had to evict a roommate at one point. Um, I had to uh, deal with sexual predators uh, when I was a church class director. And so whether I chose it or it chose me, after I decided to become certified as a leadership coach, um, I knew that conflict was going to be the, like the specialized skill I would focus on for my clients and for organizations. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I arrived at that. Well, that's, that's an amazing introduction. And I think there's, there's a lot in there that I really want to dive into. The first yeah, thing that, it. that really, uh, you know, sticks out about that is I grew up in the Midwest. So you talk about this conflict aversion. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's everybody in the Midwest, right? We're <laughs> minor P's and Q's have our Midwest values. And that's, that's gotcha. really it, it, seriously though. That's, that's taught as a virtue that, mm -hmm. you know, avoiding conflict is kind of your whole goal. You know, you, mm -hmm. you're, you're, it's the good old boy mentality that if you go along to get along, eventually you'll be rewarded. Mm -hmm. And you've got plenty of examples there that show that the opposite can actually be true. And mm -hmm. uh, especially in, in you talking about kind of taking on these leadership roles, you know, in a much, in a much smaller scale, when I was in grad school, I have my master's in organic chemistry. And when I would start to mentor undergrads, um, you know, it was the same kind of thing because it's like, on the one hand, you want to be forgiving and recognize that people make mistakes and give guidance. But mm -hmm. then on the other hand, I had these undergrads that if they're, if I trusted them with an experiment and they weren't able to follow through and get it done, ultimately that was a reflection of me. And so that was where mm -hmm. I had to really learn 
learned that, you know, of striking that balance of providing that mentorship, sure, but also, you know, kind of having the tough conversations when um, things aren't going well. And, and I mean, ultimately you do there, it's just the reality of the situation. You need people to produce for you. Um, but I, but I think that is a really um, uncomfortable uh, transition to make, especially when you have kind of that, that built in uh, virtue of, of uh, just avoiding conflict. So I, I think that um, it, it is really great. So I, so I am curious about, you said you were certified as, a, 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 and I don't want to get it wrong. What was your certification? Uh, so there's a, there's a credentialing body called International Coaching Federation. I like mm-hmm. to call them like the Walmart of credentialing bodies just because they, they basically uh, say, you know, hey, if people meet our standard uh, that you can believe that they have some level of credibility and competence as a coach, right? Because coaches are like contractors, right? You have no idea. Anyone can be a contractor. Anyone can be a coach, but you have no idea if they're actually going to get you your money's worth, right? Naturally, and right. So, uh, so yeah, so in the same way that either some pharmacies are accredited, right? Or, um, you know, other places that say, hey, look, you know, we want some like across the board standard to say, okay, when you hire this certified coach, uh, that you have an idea of what you're getting. So, um, individuals may or may not look to that as like the, you know, as a focal point, but if you expect to get any corporate or government contracts, um, this is the easiest way to kind of check your credibility. Okay, sure. So, so what's the process like of, of getting that credential? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so for the entry level, there's three different uh, credentialing levels. There's the associate, uh, the professional, and then the master. Um, the associate, they require you to uh, you know, go through one of their coaching programs, which are usually not cheap, <laughs> and also to do a hundred log out, like log a hundred hours of coaching. Um, you can do a certain amount pro bono, but uh, they prefer you to get in the habit of charging. Like it doesn't have to be a lot, but they do want you to get in the habit of charging for your services. Uh, well, that too, out- that too is kind of a form of conflict resolution, it right? Is. Because yeah. that, that's that's yeah. deeply uncomfortable too. Because it's one thing to to agree yeah. on the price, but I'm sure that you've had experiences where then following up to, you know, actually have the follow through and get paid. It's not always automatic. So, I mean, did you, how, how natural was that for you? I mean, you've got some business experience, some pharmacy experience, I mean, with your, your experience with the bounce checks, uh, did you find that a natural transition and, and, you know, kind of figuring out what to charge and how to bill yourself, uh, kind of walk me through that process, especially as you're getting started to kind of figure out, uh, all the pieces there and, and, and what the right balance was. Oh, it's terrifying, Dan. Don't don't get me wrong, you know, right? Like, but what I tell people, right? Like, realistically, you know, like I I was conflict diverse for you know about thirty years of my life, right? And so to undo those habits is not going to be an overnight thing. Um, and so you know the framework I have in place now is to make sure that I don't default to bad habits, right? Uh, and so yeah, it was just kind of like you've learned you very quickly. Okay. Negotiating against myself is bad, right? Like none of this, uh, even if I want to charge what I'm worth, like people like start to haggle and you're just like, well, Hey man, you know, it doesn't have to be free. Just, just, you know, buy me a cup of coffee or something like that. And so on one hand, you know, if you're, if your goal is simply to get the hours, then, you know, yeah, like no holds barred, just charge minimal stuff because sure. the goal is just to rate the race is not to build your business by getting the hundred hours. The goal is to get the credential, but, uh, the sooner that you get in the habit of, you know, being able to justifiably and calmly, you know, uh, state your worth and just not have to like 
that don't bet against yourself or say, well, you know, sorry if that seems too much, right? You, 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 like they would respect you less if you just, if you back down quickly, right? So yeah, that was part of this whole, hey, you know what? To be able to confidently say, hey, uh, yeah, the rate's 150 an hour. You know? Right. You know, and, I, yeah, uh, exactly. And it's, it's kind of, you know, I have a natural tendency in those types of situations to like throw out a number and then just kind of immediately feel awkward and kind of follow <laughs> it up with the, if that's okay. And it's like, yeah. if it's not okay. They'll tell you it's not okay. You mm-hmm. don't have to give them that out. You, it, so I, I, I think that you got to go in solid, go in firm. Uh, but yeah, that, that entire, especially in the, in the consulting world, the coaching world of, you know, figuring mm-hmm. out, uh, that that's the part that always seems, um, uh, incredibly daunting. So I, I have a lot of respect for you for being able to make oh, that transition. Thanks. It's a work uh, in progress. Certainly yeah. not easy. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, you've got these different levels of credentials. So then you mm-hmm. kind of touched on that a little bit is, you know, how do you get yourself even, I mean, before you have the credential, how do you market yourself? How do you find people to offer these conflict resolution services to, to even get those 100 hours? And then a follow-up to that is once, once you start there and have the credential, how do you start to grow your business? How do you identify these opportunities? I mean, you've got a very authentic personal story that I think is, um, uh, incredibly compelling, but you still need to identify the market for this, right? So, so talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. No, great questions. Yeah. I mean, part of it, like when you're just starting out to get these hours, right. To start with warm traffic, like basically you need to say, okay, you know, like who in my network would be receptive to this or who in my network would, I know that might need, need something like this. Who do I, um, you know, know that is working on something that, Hey, you know what, uh, you know, if I, um, offer something at a discount, you know, that helps them and it helps me, you know, and then just start there. Right. And then now after that, right. Hey, leverage LinkedIn, leverage your professional network, leverage everything to say, Hey, look, um, I'm, I just wanted to learn, you know, what's your story? What are the problems you're dealing with? And, you know, let me just get to that point. And then you learn to like introduce your services at the right moment, right. To say, Hey, well, you know, how much longer are you going to deal with this problem? You know, what kind of solutions are you looking for? And that's when you say, hey, you know what? I have a coaching package, right? You know, um, if, if you think it'd be good for you, let's talk. If not, hey, just at least make you ask, you know, pass me along to somebody who you think this would be helpful for, right? Um, the other part of doing this is niching, right? Figuring out, hey, who's my ideal audience? Who do I have a, a real heart for? And a general rule that uh, coaches use is to say, hey, who, uh, who was that 10 years ago? That's mm-hmm. typically who we say our ideal client is, right? And so, yeah, my heart is for Asian American leaders in their 20s and 30s that, you know, are realizing, hey, what I grew up hearing from my parents is no longer working. And, you know, I'm struggling to even figure out what I even want in life because for the longest time I was told, hey, um, you know, get into a profitable, respectable profession like medicine or finance or, or law uh, or engineering, right? And I realized that even after I finished the degree, I can't just take my gloves off and coast. Now I've inherited right. a, a bigger set of challenges that my parents didn't tell me about, right? Or, or weren't even thinking about when they realized, hey, you know, get this thing. And, you know, you're like, does this ever end? And so now it's like, well, you know, what kind of career would I be happy with, right? And so, you know, to come alongside them and help them kind of sort of questions for themselves so that, uh, you know, even if they take a different path than what the parents or other relatives would want for them, uh, that they know that, hey, you know, 
uh, one of the biggest regrets is living to others' expectations instead of always true to yourself. No, I think, and that's a really interesting point that I think is is really relatable, and uh, of course, uh, to the communities that you you talked about there. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I this is something that I really reflect on a lot. Again, I've got a master's in organic chemistry, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there's there's so much out there of you know, STEM is the path to success. It's the path to a lucrative career, and all yeah. of that. And that's really, I mean, way oversimplified, as I'm sure that you can appreciate, uh, <laughs> because as you as you start to diversify or specialize. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than, you know, just having a degree in STEM is not necessarily a meal ticket. Having a PhD in STEM is not necessarily a meal ticket. That was kind of the Mm. motto in grad school is, you know, you, you, you have to figure out this marketability aspect. Mm. Um, So for someone like yourself uh, that is, or was a licensed pharmacist, are you still practicing uh, on the pharmacy aspect at all? Or are you completely uh, shifted to the, to the coaching world now? Oh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still straddling two fences, Dan. Like I've, my, my officially, my business has only been open since October, 2020. I joked that it took a pandemic for me to finally realize, you know what, I, at what point will I get some skin in the game and really make a pivot toward, you know, this career, uh, that I really know I would be excited about, you know, living out. And so trying to develop a concrete exit strategy this year, uh, you know, is, is definitely one of the priorities because yeah, last year, you know, in year one, I was, I'm still terrified of failing rejection and you're just like, man, but uh, you know, that doesn't help my bank account, right? Being afraid that people will right. say no, doesn't get money in the door. <laughs> and so you're like, well, what can I do? And so uh, the easiest thing for me was to get into private tutoring, which I, you know, I had a, I had previous experience in. And so that was the only reason I covered my expenses last year. And so, you know, yay. At the same time, I also know uh, this isn't sustainable. You know, I didn't sure. create a company. I just created the job for myself. So it's just like, oh, now I'm working two jobs and I, I'm, you know, uh, heading toward burnout unless I manage to scale up quickly. So, uh, yeah, that's the idea for right now. I'm grateful that I have a day job that can pay my bills. And at some point, right, this resource may be holding me back from really, you know, doubling down on the career that I really uh, would find satisfying. Well, I think that's really uh, refreshing to hear, honestly. And I think it's very relatable because, you know, so often you're looking at someone's story that has successfully made the transition, you know, because I mean, I'm sure uh, right now finding time to do a podcast or finding time to, to kind of do anything that pulls you away from one of the two sides of the fence that you're struggling mm-hmm. that, that time is remarkably, uh, mm-hmm. finite. I, and, and I appreciate that. Um, so it, it is kind of nice to, to hear kind of more the practical aspect of like, yeah, you do have to develop an exit strategy and it's not going to mm-hmm. happen overnight and it's going to, it's going to take time to build. Um, so I am, mm-hmm. I'm interested, uh, kind of going back to, uh, it's still, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a funny anecdote to me, the, the story mm-hmm. about your mom being afraid to, to share with you the bad news. Uh, <laughs> yeah. have, have you brought your conflict resolution to, to that relationship and, and, and how has this impacted your personal relationships and kind of how you view different things that come up? I know you mentioned a story about a roommate as well. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a great question, Dan. And honestly, I mean, this is just a show guys. Look, I'm, I'm in the middle of this just as my clients are, right? Like the personal conflicts um, that we deal with at the familial level are probably the hardest to to really overcome, right? When my parents, (laughs) oh yeah, when, you know, when your parents have a certain, uh, you know, vision for you and, you know, um, 
and when you decide to go down a different path and, you know, they're all worried because, you know, they don't know anything about it. And so therefore, if they don't know anything about it, then they, they question it all the more. And, you know, it's just the wrong response, right? It's like, if you're really concerned about it, then do your homework, right? Learn more about it. Cause like my mom never worked a day in pharmacy in her life, but she knew that this chain pharmacy was the ticket to stability. And, you know, because moms know best, right? And of, then, course, of course. And then I would say something like, mom, you know, at one point I was considering like a job in like nuclear pharmacy. She was like, oh, that sounds dangerous. Like, I don't think you should do it. It's like, you, you barely, you barely made a judgment call. <laughs> like you didn't do any kind of research around it to say, okay, well, what does this entail? Or, you know, whatever uh, safety concerns you have, you just say, nope, don't like it. And it's like, okay, no, that's not fair. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's a work in progress for me just to, you know, whether I, choose to marry someone who isn't Taiwanese that's a fun one and then it's like uh you know yeah just career path and they're you know I've even my parents were like you have a pharmacy job why are you doing tutoring why did you start this company I'm like well you know I want to become a coach for conflict and leadership and they're like ah oh, you know I don't, I don't I don't like that it's like okay well you know it's at the end of the day right I have to live my own life uh and you know I can't do this, uh, you know, just to please my parents, because even worse is that, you know, they don't know how rocky my pharmacy job is. And that's a whole nother sure. conversation. So. No, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's, it just goes to show you that we all have our things, right. We've all, mm-hmm. we've all got, yeah. uh, and, and, and finding those boundaries, especially with your parents is, is exceptionally hard. Um, uh, and you know, I, I kind of joke and it's really not even a half joke, not even a joke at all that, you know, so I, I call it my grand Midwest tour. I was born and raised in Indiana, went to grad school Mm. in Wisconsin, lived in the suburbs of Chicago for a while. Now I live in Florida. I had enough of the winter and it really wasn't until I had that real physical distance between my parents and I, that I really started to work on these boundaries. And exactly as you said, it's, it's your life you have to live. And, but it is, I mean, especially when you're close with your parents, it's, it's hard when, you know, they say something like that to, to be like, well, yeah, at, at the end of the day, you have to put up those boundaries and say, this is, this is gotta be what I have to do for fulfillment. Um, and you know, the, who you marry, all of that, just (laughs) parents, am I right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We love them. (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. And it's, and it's, of course, you can appreciate too. And I mean, I'm sure that's, that's all part of the conflict resolution is kind of recognizing what the intention is. The intention is certainly never to, to discourage you or, or to prevent you from living your dream. Uh, but that doesn't always make it easy either. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I think about when uh, Jimmy O. Yang shared a story on Google Talk and, you know, he talked about how his dad, got leveraged connections to get him a consulting job and all those other things. And, you know, he wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, at one point things got rough. He had to sleep on a friend's couch, right. And all these other things. And, you know, finally he, after enough hard work and persistence, you know, he got this big break and he says quite clearly, he's like, I'd rather disappoint my parents for a couple of years than to disappoint myself the rest of my life. Right. Um, that's a, that's a bad trade. <laughs> Right, right. It is. But it's, I mean, it does take a certain amount of bravery to break Absolutely. free and, and make those decisions as well. Um, Absolutely. So, so definitely. And, and, and um, so 
you know, in a different term of stability, I know you've got this story about um, the need to evict a roommate. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's financial stability, which has been kind of a lot of the focus, but I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure the financial stability was related there too, but there's also a, a certain amount of just personal stability of, the, you mm-hmm. know, the same roommate that you come home to. So kind of uh, walk me through what that was like to have to uh, one come to this realization and then follow through that you needed to evict this person. Yeah, sure. No, that, that was probably one of the toughest uh, experiences that I needed help walking through for sure. You know, let's, that's the other thing, guys, if you need help, ask for it, right? There's no one says you have to be a, you get full credit if you do this on your own and you figure it out on your own and find your way out of the dark. It's like, no, everybody, you know, that succeeded had a team behind the scenes or had other people pour into them, right? Very rarely did someone say, you know, I, I didn't have any mentors, I didn't have any resources, uh, you know, you stand on the shoulders of giants as Isaac Newton did. Right. So anyway, uh, with this roommate, right. Um, yeah. At some point, like his job status just kind of got um, very erratic and, you know, mm-hmm. he was living month to month for a while. I didn't have a lease in place. And then, sure. you know, after, after things got weird, I just said, okay, you know what? Um, I, I've recruited another roommate and I said, all right, you know, if you're going to keep living here, you're going to have to sign this lease. And, you know, thankfully he came around because, you know, in Texas, you're, if, if people are living month to month, I mean, there's the legal recourse. I technically could have just, you know, had an escorted off the property for trespassing if I just decided I didn't like him anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so mm-hmm. technically the lease wasn't just to protect me, it was also to protect him from, you know, me just decide that I just was tired of him. Of course. So yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. So anyway, you know, it's tough because, you know, he missed one month and, you know, it, the lease didn't kick, the lease kicker didn't uh, kick in until he, you know, missed two, but that day that he missed two, Dan, oh my gosh, I just sat there and I just was like, oh no, you know, I'm going to have to, to do something or say something. And yeah, this is, is going to be a big one, right? It's not, this oh, is not yeah, a small yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not easy because I'm just like, I really don't want to have to go up there and have this conversation. He might go, he might beg or cry or things like that. And he just kind of banked on the fact that, you know, Jerry's, a, Jerry's a nice guy. He wouldn't actually follow through with this. And, you know, for, for me, it's like, look, if you're not going to live here or if you're not going to cover your help cover expenses while you're living here, like you have to go like, you know, the rent don't stop just because you had a bad day. And, you know, after enough hemming and hawing, I just finally gave him, um, you know, an ultimatum letter because people remind me, they're just like, don't forget your authority as a landlord. You have legal leverage. You have a lease in writing that he signed that he violated. And so, you know, when I just realized, hey, yeah, you know, he's not pulling his weight, helping with costs, then no, I have to have to, you know, get him to either pay up or, or leave. And, you know, um, he started to beg for more extensions and everything else like that. And then I remember, uh, you know, at one point I gave him like a week extension just because I, you know, I, I shared some resources that he hadn't looked into yet to possibly help with rent forgiveness. And so I said, okay, you know what, I'm about to go on this weekend trip, just have the money before I leave. Right. It didn't happen. And then like I, in the middle of the trip, I was like, okay, you know what, just have the money ready. Uh, when I get back from the trip. And like halfway through the trip, like late seven, I get a text from Jerry, it's coming, it's you know, the money's, I'm working on it. And it's like, I, flying back that Sunday morning, I just had this moment of clarity just to tell him, all right, uh, we'll call him Mike. It's like, Mike, this isn't about the money anymore. You know, I've given you every extension you've asked for. And you somehow think that as long as you give me vague promises about having the money almost here, that somehow that's enough. So if you do get any money, please 
use it to cover rent at your next place of residence. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And for some reason, that was the kicker that really made him realize, okay, I need to move out because, you know, when I got back, I saw, you know, moving boxes with this stuff on it. And, you know, I was just like, I can't believe that's what it took when he realized, right. okay, I, I was hoping Jerry would just like, get be happy with the money but if he's not even going to have that as a leverage point okay well then i may as well just start moving and um it was really sad honestly like I, mm -hmm. i'm not like dancing on his grave or anything else like that um because it, it, i just saw how the relationship you know went sour right when you feel like you can't trust somebody anymore because they broke promises over some very big stakes and you know um Shortly after he officially, you know, got his things out, right, he actually, when he came to pick up some other things and some mail and things like that, he told me, hey, guess what, I got a job. And it's like, you know, congratulations, right. Um, and, you know, as much as we hate for adversity to be the wake up call, you know, that's what did it for me. And I right. hope that's no, what did it for him to realize, hey, I grow up, man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, well, listen, this has been a, a great conversation. You've been very relatable. I've, I've, I've uh, enjoyed this a lot. I want to give you an opportunity to let my listeners know um, where they could uh, reach out if they wanted to use your services. Um, and then also anything else that, that you want to share where they can follow you or anything like that. Sure. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn, uh, you can find me, uh, Jerry E. Fu, or uh, the really good stuff happens at my website, which is www.adaptingleaders.com. You can get a free guide to download uh, with a framework on how to handle difficult conversations. You can schedule a complimentary 30-minute call, uh, you know, if you just need some help. And also there's a free blog uh, with uh, summaries on useful and interesting leadership literature. So adaptingleaders.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, and good luck as you continue to resolve those conflicts. Thanks, Dan. Stay in touch. Absolutely. Yep. And this is just a reminder to give us a follow on Twitter at BabblingDan. Follow me on Instagram at Daniel Burkett. And until next week, just keep babbling on, folks.